2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching, itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Christians took out to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me, Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus I have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus. When thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou where also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, that all the, uh, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow in your presence tonight, I pray that you'll help us these next few moments. I ask you to give us liberty. I pray, Father, that you would do the work that only you can do. Lord, I ask you to speak to our hearts tonight. We do not want to be a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal, but, oh, God, we want to honor you and please you in all that will be said and done. Lord, I pray tonight that you would, uh, Lord, speak to that soul that's nearest hell. Save their soul tonight before it's everlastingly too late. And we'll praise you and we'll love you and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I, I want us to look at this chapter for just a few moments tonight. And I know that if you're a Bible reader, you're familiar with the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy. We know that this is the final chapter in this book, but it is also the final chapter in the life of the Apostle Paul. We know that Paul has come to the end of his journey. When you think about the Apostle Paul, how that he was saved on the road to Damascus, he had three missionary journeys, wrote at least 13 epistles of the New Testament, if you believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, then he wrote 14 epistles. Uh, he was called up into the third heaven. Uh, uh, listen, God used him greatly uh, to light the lamp of the, of the gospel of the grace of God to the Gentiles. Uh, he preached about the mystery of the church. And there's so many things about Paul's life uh, that we could highlight tonight that time would not permit. But now Paul has come to the closing hours uh, and the closing days of his life. And Paul has this burden on his heart 
heart. He has ran his course. He has finished his race. And I think it is safe to say in this chapter that Paul has finished well. Amen. I know that Jesus said there is not a greater than John the Baptist. And certainly that is true tonight. But I think you will agree with me outside the Lord Jesus Christ and after the resurrection of our Savior, there's not been a greater Christian than the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is one of the greatest Christians in all the word of God. And as Paul is coming to the end, we can say tonight as Paul is saying here that he finished well, amen? And I wanna preach a few minutes tonight on that subject on finish well. You see, Paul has this burden in this chapter. He's not writing so much about himself as he is writing to emphasize to young Timothy that as he is finishing his course, he is passing the baton on to him and he is burdened and he is emphasizing and he is encouraging Timothy to do the same thing that he has done and that is finish well. Amen. I want to tell you tonight, those that have lived before us and those that have been faithful and have served God and that have walked before us, if there is anything that their hearts desire, it is that you and I would finish well. Amen. I don't know how you started. I don't know if you was raised in church or not raised in church, but can I tell you there's a lot of people that started right, but they didn't finish right. And then there's a lot of people they did, they got saved and they didn't have the training and they didn't have the teaching and they didn't start as well as what others did, but they grew along life's way and they finished right and they finished well. And can I tell you the burden of my heart tonight as a pastor is to see this church finish well. Amen. I'm telling you when the Lord comes back, I want to see every young person finish well. I want to see every marriage finish well. I want to see every Christian here finish well. Can I tell you tonight, that ought to be your desire. More than to make money and more than to have a good life, you ought to have a desire and a burden to cross the finish line and hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Can I tell you, if we're gonna finish well, we ought to look at one who has finished well. And in this chapter, what Paul does for Timothy is he emphasizes certain things uh, that I think will help us and will, would help Timothy to finish well. Paul knew that as the older aged man of God that he needed to take this chapter and listen, use it very, uh, very circumspectly and put some things down. And I know he was writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit but he was a man writing to another man and he wanted to share the burden of his heart so that Timothy would finish well. And I want you to see what Paul emphasizes here tonight. And I think if we'll emphasize these things in our life, then we can finish well. The first thing I see Paul emphasizing in verses one through four is he's emphasizing preaching, amen? He said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom and he said preach the word amen notice Paul encourages Timothy to preach the word you see Paul was a preacher and Paul in his final days and his final hours he is emphasizing preaching do you know if you're going to finish well you're going to have to get under good preaching you're going to have to stay with preaching amen and as men of God we have a responsibility to do just what Paul said in this text uh, and that's to preach the word tonight, amen. 
Paul talks about the accountability in verse number one. He said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. We, we as men of God have an accountability. When we get up to preach, uh, there ought to be a sacredness. Uh, I don't think the pulpit ought to be a casual place. Uh, I don't think it ought to be a place that we take lightly. But when a man of God gets up to preach, uh, he ought to stand as a dying man preaching to dying people. He ought to realize uh, that the message that we're going to preach today, we'll have, we'll have to give an account for in eternity. And can I tell you, it's pathetic and it's sad uh, and it's a sad commentary at what we've got standing behind the pulpits uh, in a lot of our so-called churches today. If you want to know why our churches are in trouble, it's because long before the church went sour, uh, the pulpits have went sour. And friend, we need some preaching that is bold uh, and that is balanced uh, and that is biblical, that honors God, uh, that lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that preaches against sin because we're going to have to give an account. And the Bible said to cry loud and spare not. Amen. There's the accountability. There's the action. Preach the word. Preachers, you ought to preach. We've got, a, we've got a mandate to preach the word. There's the attitude. He said reprove and rebuke and exhort. But notice what he said. With all long suffering and doctrine. You know, a man of God ought to preach against sin. Isn't that right? He ought to name sin. He ought to catalog sin. Not preach on it in general, but preach against it and call sin by name. That means preach against adultery and, and drunkenness and preach against gambling and preach against playing the lottery. Somebody say amen. Preach against not dressing right. Preach against uh, all of these things uh, uh, that we're to preach against. Uh, and we ought to preach, uh, preach it from the word of God. But we're to do it with long suffering. Amen. Uh, we're to consider ourselves lest we also be tempted. We ought to have the proper attitude. And you've heard it said many times uh, that people will long remember your spirit when they have forgotten your sermon. And it's so important that we do it with long sufferingness and with doctrine. And my friend, if whatever we preach, uh, we're to preach it with the word of God backing us up. The action, the attitude. Why is that so important, preacher? Because of the abandonment. Look at verse three and four. For the time will come and it has when they'll not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away, notice their ears, from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. I'm gonna tell you the days of people filling our churches up just because they want to hear truth uh, are far and few between. People want to be entertained and that's no reflection on the singers tonight. I'm glad they're here. We invited them to come and we're thankful that we're here, uh, that they're here, but we know they're not entertainers. Can I get a witness on that? And they're not performers uh, and the preachers not to get up and be. Uh, listen, you know I like to laugh in church and I think we, it do some people good to laugh every now and then isn't that right? I mean, some need to smile because they never smile. But I don't think the man of God ought to be a comedian. Somebody say amen. I don't think he ought to get up and waste God's time and people's time. Uh, listen, we've been commissioned and we've come to preach the Bible and to hear what thus saith the Lord, not what I think or not what I believe, not my opinion, but what God wrote down in this book. Amen. And there we're living in a time when people want to be entertained. And if you got a Bible message and 
And if you got an attitude and a spirit of worship, let's face it, some people are just not interested in that. But that's all right. We must keep on keeping on. Can I get a witness right there? You know what will help you grow as a Christian? Preaching will help you grow as a Christian. You know what will keep your marriage together? Preaching will keep your marriage together. I love singing and I love shouting, but I wouldn't give you a nickel for somebody that will shout on singing and then they'll pout on preaching or they'll dry up on preaching. I'm telling you, friend, preaching ought to be the main course. It ought to be the main thing. I'm telling you, if you can say amen during singing, if you can raise your hand during singing, you ought to double it during preaching. Amen. And if you're a preacher, you ought to amen the truth if you're ever going to preach the truth. Hallelujah. I believe you reap what you sow, don't you? And if you sit there like a knot on the log, guess what? When it comes your turn to preach, you're going to reap what you sow. Isn't that right? Well, I'm telling you, I remember when I started preaching, the front rows were, were full of preachers uh, and we were all fired up, ready to preach, had the itch to preach. Uh, and listen, uh, uh, we would amen the preacher, we would back him up. Uh, uh, but now, and I'm not being mean, I'm just being honest. Uh, you go to the average place nowadays uh, and preachers are sometimes the quietest people in the crowd. Uh, hey, if you love preaching, say amen to it. If you love preaching, get with it, get behind it, amen. I'm telling you, preaching will help you. It'll It'll get in your heart. It'll strengthen your life. And Paul said in the last days, there's gonna be an abandonment of preaching. People's gonna turn away from it. But we've got to keep on preaching anyway. He emphasizes preaching. He emphasizes in verse number five, priorities. He tells him about the priorities in the ministry, but really it's in all of our life. He talks about our effort, but watch thou in all things. Do you know tonight as a Christian, we have to be watchful. The Bible said, Jesus said, he said to watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh, that's the problem tonight. The flesh is weak. And so we have to watch and pray. We have to watch in all things. I think we ought to be careful how we conduct ourselves. That's the problem with social media today. People just put anything on social media without thinking the con- about the consequences of it, without praying about it, not thinking about their testimony, their character. I want to say tonight, you've got to be watchful in all things, amen? You've got to walk circumspectly, not as fools, huh, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. He talks about it when he emphasizes these priorities. He talks about our effort. He talks about our endurance. Notice what he said. He said endurance afflictions. Now, when afflictions come, you just got to endure them. You can't feel sorry for yourself. You can't throw a pity party. You can't act like you're the only one going through something. We just got to endure. And God gives us the grace to endure. And then he talks about our evangelism. He said, do the work of an evangelist. I know that Paul is telling this to a preacher and as men of God, we ought to preach and evangelize. But every Christian ought to be an evangelist. We ought to be out spreading the gospel and telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ and knocking on doors and just preaching the gospel in our community. We're to do the work of an evangelist. And then our example, notice what he said, make full proof of thy ministry. You say, preacher, I'm not a preacher. So does that verse really apply to me? Well, Paul was talking to a preacher. But you may not be a preacher tonight, but you have a ministry. If you're a mother, you have a ministry to your children and you ought to make full proof of that ministry. 
You ought to take that ministry very seriously. You may be here tonight and say, well, I'm not a, I'm not a career woman, but I just stay at home. I'm just a, a housewife. But listen, God's given you a ministry. Tonight, as a, as a husband, you have a ministry. You're the priest of your home, and you ought to take that ministry seriously. That means you ought to pray for your family, and you ought to live by faith and lead them by faith. The strongest, uh, listen, the strongest individual in the home ought to not be the wife, but it ought to be the dad. That dad ought to be spiritual enough that when hard times come in, in, the, in the home and in the family, that he's the one that steps up and leads the family by faith, uh, leads the family in prayer, you ought to make full proof of your ministry. And I would say to every father, every husband here tonight, you have a responsibility to be the spiritual leader of your home. Don't live in carnality. I know we're all carnal to an extent, but we ought to be focused on spirituality. We ought to be leading our homes. Listen, our wives ought, not, ought to not worry about our spiritual well-being. We ought to give them security. And the best way to give them security is by living and leading a godly example. He emphasizes priorities. And then he emphasizes peace in verse six and seven. He said, for I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. That's what they just sung about. Isn't that right? And here we see that Paul has peace as he's getting ready to make the crossing. This peace is seen in his confidence in verse six. He said, for I am now ready to be offered. Paul is ready to go. I want to tell you, the closer we get to the end, uh, uh, the more ready we become. Paul was ready to go. He'd already been called up into the third heaven. He had already seen uh, the paradise. Uh, Paul wanted to go. He uses that word several times, which means in, in 1 Corinthians, which means to lust. Uh, Paul had a great desire, a, a lustful desire to leave this world. Not a wicked desire, but a strong desire to leave this world, to go to the other world. And I want to tell you tonight, uh, Paul is confident, and this peace is seen in his confidence, this peace is seen in his conflict. He said, I have fought a good fight. Paul has peace about his conflict. You know, we are in a battle tonight. But I want to remind you something about the battle. The Bible says the battle is the Lord's. So what that means tonight is we don't have to live in defeat. We don't have to live in discouragement. Listen, we don't have to walk around acting like we're, the world is coming to an end. You say, Brother Gravely, don't you get defeated sometimes? Sure I do. Don't you get discouraged sometimes? Sure I do. But the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, and I think it's verse 4. No, that's not the verse, but it's in 1 John somewhere. So it says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And 1 John 5, 4 says, and whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even I our faith, amen. I'm gonna tell you what has bothered me in these last few days. I may get the virus and I may die tomorrow, but if I do, just tell everybody it was the will of God, amen. I'm telling you, listen, I've been listening. It's, it's disheartening sometimes when you look around and see Christians that live in constant fear, amen. We don't have to live in fear. And sometimes people say, well, well what are we gonna do? We're gonna do what we've always done. We're just gonna trust God and we're just gonna live on. Now that doesn't mean be 
foolish and that doesn't mean don't take precaution but I want to tell you tonight listen we can have peace in the midst of trouble because Jesus said let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me I want to tell you I believe in him as much tonight as I did two years ago or five years ago he's still God tonight and there is peace in the middle of this conflict that we're in amen there's peace his peace is seen in his completion notice what he said here he said I have finished my course I want to say this tonight it ought to be the desire of all of us to finish the course God has put you on you preachers don't look at another preacher and think that's your course amen don't look at somebody else's life and think that's your course. We all have a course in life to run. And God will show you. You say, how do I find the will of God? I'll tell you how to find the will of God. You just stay in the word of God and you just wait. And God, sometimes his will is revealed. He just shows it instantly. Sometimes his will unfolds one day at a time, one step at a time. But don't worry about finding the will of God. If you stay in the word of God, I promise you the will of God will find you. Amen. And you can't choose the will of God. The will of God chooses you. I'm not a Calvinist tonight, you know that, but I do believe that if you'll just make yourself available and if you'll just trust God, God is sovereign enough, God is providential enough, uh, he's working in your life. Uh, Don't try to figure everything out. Don't try to plan everything out. Just walk the path God has given you today. Walk in the light that God has given you today and don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's already in the oven. God's already planned it. He's already prepared it. And if he sees fit for it to come to pass, he will bring it to pass. Amen. He emphasizes the peace. And then he emphasizes in verse eight, the prize. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me of that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. When Paul talks about this prize, he talks about the crown, he talks about the Christ, and he talks about the cause. Why is Paul receiving this crown? Because he said here, he shall give me that day and not to me only, but notice this, but unto all them that love his appearing. One of the marks of being saved is that you look for and you long for his appearing. Now, when I was 16 years old, I wasn't longing for his appearing and I was saved. But I didn't want Jesus to come back until I got my driver license. That's just being a teenager. It didn't mean I was lost. And then I didn't want Jesus to come back until I got married. And then I didn't want him to come back until I had children. And after we had children, we really wanted him to come back. Amen. (laughs) Immediately. Just because you have goals in life, that don't mean you're lost. But what it does mean is that you don't want to live forever in this world. As it's already been said, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And Paul was always looking for the Lord to come. You go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter number four. Paul made this statement in verse number 16. He said, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we, this I say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we, we, 
which are alive and remain. Paul was looking, he was expecting, he was anticipating Jesus to come. He was looking all the way till the end. We ought to be looking all the way till the end. I'll tell you, if you'll be looking, it'll change the way you're living, amen? I'm telling you, those who are looking will live different, amen? And Paul said here, he emphasizes the price. Timothy, finish well because God, there's a payday someday. God is going to give you a prize, amen? I want to tell you tonight, sin has no prize. Sin only has a price. Paul said here, he emphasizes the prize. In verse number 10 down through verse number 12, he emphasizes the people. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me. Having loved this present world and is departed in Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Tentacus have I sent to Ephesus. Paul, not just here, but even in verses following this, he, he does something in this chapter he doesn't do anywhere else. And I think he does it because he knows that I need to, get, I need to be a little more canon. I need to be a little more open with Timothy because I'm about to leave this world. So what he does is he talks about those who helped him in the ministry. Luke, he talks about, and there's others, he mentions in the latter verses of this chapter. He talks about those who hindered him in the ministry. Alexander even hated him in the ministry. He talks about those that, that fell out. And he does that, I think, because he wants Timothy to know if you serve God any length of time, whether you're a preacher or not, if you go to church any length of time, you're going to witness this. You're going to see this. You're going to see people who are going to, they're going to be a blessing. They're going to be faithful. They're going to stay with and they're going to serve God all the days of their life and they're going to be a help to the ministry. They're going to be an asset. But then there's going to be people that, that they're going to change course. They're going to be like demons. They're, they're going to walk away from it all. They're going to forsake. They're going to leave. There's going to be some Alexander the Coppersmith that's going to come and they're going to try to cause trouble. There's always those in the ministry. He emphasizes people. But you know the thing about Paul? Paul was not living for people. Paul was living for God. You know, the next time you look at somebody, and it is discouraging, but next time you see somebody, or maybe it's somebody you know, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's someone close to you, it could be a relative, it could be a member in this church, and you see them go astray, before you think, is it really worth it all? Remember, you're not serving God for them. You're serving God for Him, amen? I'm telling you, just look back in your life. Look at the pit God dug you out of. Look at where God brought you from. I'm telling you, if everybody you knew walked away, if everybody dropped their standards, if everybody quit. You would have to be honest and say the Lord has never done you wrong. He has never left you behind. He has always been faithful. He has always been good. He is still worth serving. He is still worth living for tonight. He emphasizes the people. And then I like this in verse 13. Paul emphasizes pages. He talks about the books but especially the parchments. Paul talks about a cloak, he talks about the books, and he talks about the parchment. 
The cloak was for his physical need. The books were for his uh, mental uh, needs. Uh, and then the, the parchments, the word of God, was for his spiritual need. And I would say this to every preacher tonight. If Paul read books and his parchments, you ought to read books and, 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 and the word of God. Isn't that right? Uh, don't be a lazy preacher and say, well, I just read my Bible, a Strong's Concordance, uh, and a Noah Webster Dictionary. If that's all you got, God will make up the difference. But hey, uh, listen, uh, you you ought to read. You ought to let other men teach you about the Bible. Don't be surprised for the thing that you're going to learn it all by yourself. Uh, read what other men have studied and be a student of the Bible and learn everything that you can from the Word of God. And listen, don't elevate books over the Bible. You ought to read this book first. Uh, you ought to live by this book, not by man's book, but you ought to read books. Amen. Paul read books, didn't he? But he said, especially if you don't bring anything else, please bring those parchments. Can I tell you this, this evening, there is no substitute for Bible reading. You know, you could come to me tonight and say, Pastor, I need some help. I need some encouragement. I need some counsel. And I believe in doing that. But I want to tell you something tonight. You, we could sit down for hours and talk, and there's nothing wrong with it. But if you don't pick your Bible up and read it, I'm not going to tell you anything to help you. I, I wonder about people sometimes they get in church and they want to go see a, a psychologist. I, I've never seen it work. I'm just being honest with you. That doesn't mean it hasn't. But they want to go see a, a, a quote-unquote Christian counselor that they've got to pay, uh, pay money to every week and, and go to and they go through 17 uh, counseling sessions and guess what? They're no better off. They're no better off. And then I've seen people go through the same things that they went through. They got on their knees. They got serious with God. They poured their soul out to God. They went and talked to the pastor, the pastor's wife. They, they took some counsel. You know what we're going to tell you? We're going to tell you what this book says. And we're going to pray with you. And we're going to try to help you from the word of God. That's where we get our counsel from. Isn't that right? You say, but I need something else. I'm going to tell you, there's no psychology book out there that's going to tell you more than the word of God. The word of God is alive. And the word of God is true. And the word of God has all the answers for all of life's problems. It can help you physically. It can help you mentally. It can help you emotionally. It can help you spiritually. But I'll tell you why people are in so much trouble nowadays in our churches. Why they're popping pills left and right. I know there's some people that has to have some things. But I'm telling you, listen, while some people are in constant trouble all the time, if they just get down to the brass tacks, it's been a long time since they started in Genesis and went to Revelation. It's been a long time since they set a time and said, you know what? Every day I'm going to read my Bible, whether it be a chapter or two chapters or four chapters, whatever it is. It's been a long time since they made a prayer list and started praying and spending time in prayer. I'm going to tell you what prayer will do. It will release a lot of emotions in your life. You know, God gave us tears, didn't he? And when you pray and you weep, you know what it does? It releases the stress that's in your body. It gets rid of all the anxiety. And when you talk to God, you can be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you can let your request be made known to God. Isn't that a blessing tonight? 
I'm telling you, I could run around and tell every one of you some request I have. But can I be honest with you? At the end of the day, I'm not going to feel no better. Because it's still there. You could do the same to me, and there's nothing wrong. We're to bear one another's burdens, but every man must bear his own burden. But I'll tell you, the great burden bearer, there is one that he said something that none of us can say tonight. He said, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. I'm gonna tell you, you can come give me your burden and I can pray with you, but I can't sustain you. All I can do is pray with you and that's wonderful. I can bring my burden to you and you can, you can take that burden, you can help me bear it, but you can't sustain me. But there is one tonight, thank God, that we can all take our burden and we don't have to shoulder it no longer. I can help you shoulder that burden. You can share those burdens. Oh, but thank God when you go to him, you know what you can do? You can shed that burden you can just cast that burden on the Lord. He'll take that burden away from you. He'll take that burden away from me. He will sustain us. Hallelujah. I want to tell you tonight, there's no substitute for Bible time and prayer time tonight. I encourage you to make sure, make sure that you have a personal time with God. And then let me say this. He emphasizes persecution. He talks about Alexander the coppersmith who did much evil. He said the Lord, Paul has the right attitude. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. The Lord reward him according to his works. But look at verse 15. He says, of whom be thou where also? Sometimes a preacher has to warn people about other people. I don't think as a preacher we ought to be running around gossiping. Somebody say amen. We ought to be slandering and talking about everybody that's come through the church and left the church. But I will tell you, there has been times when people were so detrimental that you had as a preacher, you had to go to someone and say, hey, I'm not running them down, I'm not, but they did much evil. And you need to beware of that person. And I'm going to tell you, when people tear a church up and, and when people tear a church apart, you know what the Bible says about those that walk disorderly? Mark them and have no fellowship with them. I, I, I don't understand, Brother Laddie, these people that they leave church and, and they, they cause division in a church and then the people you pastor that are still here. And if you're one of these people, don't sit there and think, is he talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you. They want to coddle them people. They want to be their friend and somehow they want to act like, well, 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 well wait, somebody's got to win them. Somebody's got to go after them. Let's pray for them. But hey, there are even some people that Jesus said, leave them alone. Leave them alone. When people tear a church apart, I think you turn them over to God. You pray for them, but you don't go after them. Somebody asked me one time, somebody, they, they didn't tear it apart, but they would have if they could have. And when they left years ago, we dodged a major bullet in this church. And somebody came up to me one day. They said, preacher, are you not going to go after them? And I said, no. And I didn't tell them why. I said, no, I'm not going to go after them. I'm going to pray for them. But why would I go bring trouble back in the door? Is that right tonight? Now, I mean, even people from Alabama can figure that out. Isn't that right? Paul named his name. Paul told of his deed. And Paul warned, he warned Timothy. Then let me say, not only did he emphasize 
persecution. But in closing, he emphasized power and protection. As he said in verse number 17, he said, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Paul said, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, he said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. You know, you can rest assured tonight, God will always stand with you. He'll strengthen you. That the preaching, uh, that my, through me, uh, the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Isn't that a blessing to know that tonight? That if you live for God and you serve God, He will deliver you from every evil work. You don't have to be a preacher for that to be true. Do you realize if the enemy, the adversary had his way tonight, he would kill every one of us. The thief, the devil, the thief, he cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I promise you tonight, young people, that's the devil's will, that's his plan for your life. To steal your your purity, your virginity, to kill every joy, every good thing, kill your physical life. But before he does that, to destroy. He wants to destroy everything good in your life tonight. I promise you, if you've got a good marriage, a good home, a faithful husband, a faithful wife, you mark her down, the devil, the thief, he doesn't like that tonight. And he'll bring some hussy through, you know, and she'll bat her eyes. Isn't that right? I mean, that's what we called them back home. Amen. My mother wasn't even saved, but she'd, she, could, she could spot one a mile away. She wasn't even saved. Now, I remember a little being a nine-year-old boy, and she said, boy, that lady's a hussy. <laughs> Amen. And I've seen some in church, haven't you? I mean, you could tell the way they walk. And that, listen, and they some men just as bad. I'm telling you tonight, listen, lady, if your husband's got a Roman eye, you ought to take a frying pan and knock him in the head if you see him looking at some other woman. You know that's right. And you know what? If, if, listen, and, and, and if you've got a, a, a loose wife that, that wants to run around and flirt with every, with every man in the church, hey, I don't know what you do with that, amen? But I'll tell you one thing, don't hit her in the head with a frying pan. I'm not gonna tell you to do that. But I'm telling you, you ought to pray. You ought to really pray. But I'll tell you, if God's give you a good home, hey, you know why I preach that? Because if adultery gets in a church, it rips the home apart and it rips the church apart, amen? I'm telling you, I don't want that mess in here to you. And it could happen in the pulpit, it could happen in the pews, amen, isn't that right? Uh, I don't know how I got off on all that, but I sure ain't sorry that I did. I'm just telling you tonight uh, that we ought to keep it right. And listen, we ought to, uh, listen, you got a good home tonight. I know how uh, the devil wants to rip it apart. Keep God the center of your home. Don't let Hollywood dictate your home. Don't let it be the babysitter for your children. If you're watching something tonight that you know you ought to not be watching, would you get on this altar tonight and ask God to forgive you and not do that anymore? I'm telling you, you can't watch filth and be right with God. You can't watch filth and it not affect your mind and affect your heart. I'm telling you, these cell phones, you've got to be so careful with them today. And it's not just young people. I would listen, I wouldn't give a teenager a cell phone. I got one on that one. I just wouldn't do it. 
You know what happens when you give a teenager a cell phone? It's like putting a poisonous snake in their hand and just praying they don't get bit, Brother Laddie. I'm not fussing on you tonight. You do what you want to do, but I'm just telling you. You'll know it as well as I do if you've got one. And I've got, I've got a smartphone tonight, just like everybody. But I'm going to tell you something. You, we, we used to just preach against TV. But I mean, there's so much sin on a phone now. You don't have to go hide in a room somewhere anymore on, the, on a computer screen or anything else. I'm telling you, it takes God protecting, protecting us tonight. You've got to be careful about those things, don't you? And it may not be, it may not be you. It may be everybody else connected. I want to say tonight as we stand, you want to finish right? Then you got to do like the Apostle Paul, emphasize the right things in your life. If you want to finish right, let me ask you this question tonight before we sing. What are you emphasizing in your life tonight? What am I emphasizing? What am I putting the most emphasis on? What's most important to me tonight? What is it that rules my life? Is it this book? Is it prayer? I know you have to live a job, but from day to day, where's the emphasis at in your life? How much do you think about God on a day-to-day basis?